Canucks Central Wednesday in the Kintec studio, which is on the road this afternoon at the Abbotsford Center. Canucks Central is brought to you by Grip Auto and Tire, quality service you could trust, and 14 locations to serve you. We've been on the concourse here at the Abbotsford Center uh, for about 10 minutes, and already uh, Sat is getting chirped by some of the staff here. It's great. It was, I mean, a very nice gentleman stopped by <laughs> and said, hi, so you guys need anything? I said, no. I said, you sure? You, you need food? I'm like, I'm like, maybe in a bed. He's like, I know you're always hungry. I'm like, what? <laughs> How does like, everybody know this about Sat? <laughs> took five minutes for me to get chirped showing up to Abbotsford. I tell you, you spend enough time with Sat, you realize he's, <laughs> he's essentially Brad Pitt in Ocean's Eleven. He is always finding something to eat. And I want to find something to eat. No. <laughs> so on the way here, um, Reach and I were talking because I mean I went to have my you know I had a I had a breakfast sandwich this morning. Yep. Then you know uh, when I came home afterwards, I was deciding whether to eat something before leaving or like we'll grab something when we get to Abbotsford. I'm like, oh, you know what? I'll eat so I won't get hungry. And yep. Reach and I are driving in, and we're like maybe 15 minutes from Abbotsford. And I'm like, hey, do you want to grab anything to eat? Like before we're before we go, I'll grab a sandwich or something, so we're you know good to go at the at the rink. And you're like, no, I'm good. And I'm like, you know what? I'm good too. I ate like I'm yeah. I'm set. We show up to the ring. <laughs> no lie. Two minutes into it, you, you get the smell of popcorn at the rink, and I'm like, I wish we would have stopped and got food. <laughs> Starts smelling the popcorn, and Sat's like, you know what? Maybe maybe I am hungry. Um, well, we've got a hockey game tonight. Canucks are taking on the Edmonton Oilers, their penultimate preseason matchup. We'll dive more into the game coming up later on in the show, but a couple of things I wanted to keep looking at here as the Canucks start to really set themselves up for opening nights at. Mm. And one of the things we talked about as being a major question mark coming into preseason was how would you line up the defense? And at first we're like, well, if Oliver Ekman Larson and Quinn Hughes are playing together, then how else would you imagine the Canucks to play on defense? Now we realize, well, maybe OEL Hughes is not going to be uh, every night thing, every yeah. situation thing. They're just, it might be break glass in case of emergency sort of deal. We saw Hughes with Shen today. You saw OEL with Tucker Pullman and Kyle Burrows with Tyler Myers. The more preseason goes on, the more I see OEL and Tyler Myers playing away from each other. I'm starting to wonder if that's not a pairing that the team wants to go to for a large part of the season. You know, yeah, and, you know, OEL and Pullman, and, you know, we go back to last year in training camp, and it's funny because we're sitting here uh, in Abbotsford today, and remember the last time yep. we were here during the preseason was last year, and a lot of, to- of the talk was Tucker Pullman playing with Oliver ekman Larson. Yeah. And those guys played together that game, and I remember it, Pullman looked good, and it was like, you know, Pullman and OEL look pretty good. They're moving the puck efficiently. Hey, it's preseason, but you kind of see some stuff there. But one of the big things hanging over this team last year was the Travis Hamannick situation. Because the yeah. whole idea was Hamannick and Hughes played together, and you have Pullman and OEL. And that feels like 75 years ago. It, it really <laughs> does, man. And then Hamannick, I mean, I'm so glad we don't have to deal with the Hamannick stuff. So so he doesn't show up or whatever, and eventually the Canucks end up just going with um, Pullman and Hughes to start the season because Hamannick's not there. And let's not forget, as much as Hughes and Shen really clicked, 
uh, Travis was pretty reluctant to go to Shen. He didn't play a ton the first yeah. 25 games of the season. It took them a while under Bruce to really, you know, get Sh- Hughes and Shen together as a D pair. But there was some little chemistry initially with Pullman and OEL, and they played together a bit last year, but it never really came together. And I guess the biggest question is, as much as you want to try this, how much of this hinges on how Tucker Pullman looks? Because so far, he's still trying to get up to speed after missing so much time. Yeah, he, he spoke a little bit today and you know talked about still kind of getting into the groove and learning the new system with Bruce. Yeah sort of understanding where his teammates are going to be and and all of those types of things and it's just like i i'm hard i have a hard time being overly critical of tucker pullman just knowing what he's gone through recently mm-hmm. um like i i've always felt that there's a decent hockey player in there one that could do a job for you but it just hasn't really ever materialized yet here in vancouver on the ice no it hasn't and i mean you know in fairness to him, he was playing a bit better before he got injured. And, yeah. you know, the team was talking about, okay, you know, there, there's something here. And that's why you hear so much from management also talking about how if he's healthy, he could be a top four defenseman. Now, part of that, obviously, you don't want to downplay an asset you have, especially a right side defenseman. And, you yep. know, you want to make sure that, you know, there's some value. You don't want to sink his value, so to speak. But to your point, they do believe there's something here if he can be healthy. So how much of this does hinge on Tucker Pullman, really? Because yeah. right now, they've moved him around a bit. You know, he's played with this guy, played with that guy. You're, you're trying to figure out where he fits in. And if he's going to be behind the pace tonight, then, you know, that makes it a bit more interesting. That makes it a bit creates more questions heading into that Friday game and whether Tucker Pullman, A, has the preferred partner figured out, or B, if he's even up to speed to play game one of the season. And ultimately, what, what I see happening here is that we do eventually get back to OEL Myers. Hughes Shen as being the top four for this team. Yeah, I mean, you know, as much as Burroughs and Myers is something yeah. that, you know, you could be seeing, that's not most likely going to be, you know, the big, you know, third pair that you see. However, has Jack Rathbone done enough for you to sit here and say, yeah, game one of the season, he's going to be on the third now pair. We're, now we're getting deep here. Yeah, because that's kind of, I think that's where we're at. I think the question really comes down to, at this point, we, we all kind of know who's on the team up front. We know, you know, what it's going to look like for the most part. The one pressing question I have, and yes, it's interesting to see who's going to be the fourth line winger or whatever, yeah. but really, what's that third pair going to look like? And who's the lefty, if there is one, that's going to be on that pair? Ten days ago, the first preseason game of the year, Canucks hosting the Calgary Flames. Jack Rathwell played 25 minutes. Yeah. And I was like, okay. <laughs> they, they want to get Jack Rathbone up to speed. They want to see where he's at. And his role has diminished since. He skated as an extra today with Christian Willannon in, uh, in the pregame skate this morning over at UBC. I don't think that's to say that Rathbone is, is you know, really disappointed anybody here in camp. But has he really seized the job? I think is more the question, and I don't, I don't feel he's done that. You see flashes, you see moments, but you haven't seen it click for an entire night yet with with Jack Rathbone, and that's ultimately I think where the trust factor comes in for Bruce Boudreau and the coaching staff. Yeah, and it's it's one of those things that. I think looking at the final roster on Friday could essentially be the dress rehearsal because I have a hard time looking at somebody waiting over a week to play. 
Yeah. You know, like I don't, I don't think you want to do that. I think you know that's why Demko is not starting tonight. It doesn't look like it'll be yep. Martin and Demko gets that final game, and you know you go through the team and. And you want to have your entire roster there. There's a chance then Rathbone plays on Friday, and hey, he's the guy that plays on the team. But I think it's a question now, especially with how Christian Willannon has played. And Kyle Burrows does bring some toughness and that quality this team really wants. So, ultimately, like Rathbone does have the most upside. How, how do you not just give him the first 10 games of the year and see where it goes? Like that's that, that's, that's how easy. I would view it. I, that's how I would do it too. But if you want to base it on a true meritocracy, yeah. Well, then then Christian Rolandin should be the number one D on this team, the way that he's played in preseason. I don't disagree <laughs> about that. But he played a lot in the last couple of games, you know. And, and Burroughs is getting the chance here to see how it goes, right? Like part of part of like the Rolandin hype. Like, look at the roster the other night. You know, it's um, it's like uh, Are you you're, fading my guy. It's like you're you're newly single and you you invite all of your ugliest friends to the bar so that you're the one that looks best. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, you want to win by default. Yes, <laughs> it's all about your competition. <laughs> Listen, if you want to be a champion, go against bad competition. Yeah, you you want to you know like hang out with a bunch of fours so that you look like an eight. You know, like that's. <laughs> This guy looks really good. <laughs> I don't know if it truly works like that, but, you know, maybe in theory you can kind of piece it together that way. Uh, kidding aside, you know, like th- there is that element here with, with Willannon. We've seen some not great Canucks mm-hmm. performances. He's played at a decent level, and we've noticed that. But, you know, the talent is more elsewhere, and the talent truly is with Jack Rathbone. It- it's sort of like Nils Hoaglander as well. Like I understand they'd like to see more, and they really, they'd really like to see the player seize mm-hmm. the opportunity. But at the end of the day, when does it just like come down to talent and be like, we trust that this guy's going to be able to figure it out the more time, the more reps we give them. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, Ramon texts in and says, you guys had the same combos about Chase on and put Colson last season, LOL. Well, and, and, you know, the reality was put Colson didn't have the trust of the coach initially. You know, and, yeah. you know, that's what it kind of comes down to. And Podkolza started off, and then he had a few healthy scratches under Travis and, you know, eventually went through. It's just, like, I believe in Rathbone. I think yeah. he's a player that should be playing. The question is, who's going to be getting, you know, the inside track here? Does, it, does this come down to, partially as well, um, you know, who they view as solid partners for OEL and and Myers. I mean, it is a bit of a question in terms of again, like what's the ideal fit? And that's one of the reasons they've still been in the market for right-hand defenseman. You still need one long term, but could you find one that's a better fit, you know, yeah. you know, somewhere that that can put things into place a little bit? And that's why, you know, well, if they want to unlock Oliver Ekman Larson's offensive abilities a little bit more, that's going to be hard to do if you stick him with Tyler Myers again. Right? Like, we know what that turned out to be last year, and OEL played a safe game so yeah. that, you know, that pair could work. Well, you want to get more out of OEL, and it's hard to get more out of him with Myers. Yes. And do you want to play a Jack Rathbone with Tyler Myers? Because Rathbone is a smooth skating, uh, still working on his defensive game, younger, younger player um, that has more offensive upside. Does is that a great fit next to next to Tyler Myers? It it's never really worked with Quinn Hughes and Myers together. No, I mean, would it work with Jack Rathbone and Myers together? I mean, that's I think that's part of the question here. If you're going to move OEL and Myers apart, then you're looking for 
what could be the partner with those two that really elevate their games or best fit their games. Myers, when you look at his most effective pairs, or at least the most trusted pairs he's been on, it's been either with Alex Edler, which was yeah. his first year in Vancouver for the first half of the year. First 20 games were really good, one of the best shutdown pairs. That started kind of waning after a while. And then the guy he ended up playing with most down the stretch into the playoffs was Oscar Fantenberg who was you know, a defensive type of left-handed defenseman. And OEL is able to, because he's a solid hockey player and he's got quality, he's, he's able to you know, cover and, and play that role if need be. So if Rathbone doesn't make sense as the ideal partner, it's not fair to Rathbone to put him with that type of player because it doesn't allow him to be the best version of himself either. So if the fit is awkward to begin with and Rathbone's not at his best, it's a question to who plays game one of the season. And a lot of it does hinge on Tucker Pullman. But as much as to your point, as much as you want to take OEL away from Myers, maybe that's a sacrifice you have to make for the greater good. You know, we, we, keep, we keep trying to say, get more out of OEL, get more out of OEL. Well, maybe the best thing for this team is playing it with Myers because if you don't, as much as you get a you, you get an increase in what OEL brings, maybe the the uh, the drop off and what you're getting from Myers and the, those other pairs are too great for that trade off. Yeah, and and I think sometimes when we look at things, it's easy for us to be like, oh, just do the maximum potential pairing. Yeah, but then you want to kind of miss out. It's like doing that. What is that costing you elsewhere in your team? This uh, would put you know one of the Canucks high priced defensemen on each pair. But truth be told, like, I, I don't really want to spread them out, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. find two pairs that work well enough, and your third pair can be sheltered and be whatever it is. And that's essentially what got this team through the final 57 games of last season, Sat. You know, they, they had Quinn Hughes and Shen going. They knew what that would give them. It worked. Mm-hmm. They dominated play. Uh, OEL Myers worked as their shutdown pair, and yeah, they didn't generate a ton of offense. They had some really ugly spells at times, like when mm-hmm. the Canucks went through that one big slump they had under Boudreaux. Look at OEL Myers through that stretch. They really struggled. But beyond that, they were pretty good as as a pair outside of that one poor spell. Give me the two pairs that work best, and then shelter that third pair and hope it it, it allows you to or it, it doesn't get scored on very much you know well I the mean, brad hunt pair which was fine for them last year it, I mean, you, you mentioned brad hunt and here here are the numbers for brad hunt last year he played 50 games and he had 15 even strength points in 50 games yeah which for a third pair of defensemen that's pretty good. Yep. You know, it creates offense. So can you get into a position where your third pair can get sheltered? You have an offensive guy that gets favorable matchups, and you try to get a little bit out of it. And that's where Rathmon comes in. And to Gurjeet's point on the text inbox, um, you, or, uh, you know, Johnny Mack's point, the best option for Rathbone on this roster to start the season is to play yeah. with Luke Shen on the third pair. That's a perfect, easy, soft landing spot for him to jump in. Or if he's playing with a guy like Dermot, for instance, yeah. Dermot plays the right side. With Myers, is not the I- ideal one. That's why, ultimately, I think we'll see that top four. And maybe you see Pullman with Rathbone to start the season if, yeah. if Pullman and OEL can't really work. Um, otherwise, I just don't know if I see it. And the one thing to keep in consideration here is the waiver wire is starting to 
pack some interesting names day by day. There's a couple interesting ones today. Now, I'm not sure if Vancouver's claiming anybody that's on waivers today. Wait, wait, wait. Who are you interested in today? I didn't really – nobody really stuck out to me. Well, it's funny because uh, when I saw the waiver wire, I saw Maxime Lajoie, who's the uh, left-handed defenseman for the Carolina Hurricanes. And then uh, five Canucks thoughts on Twitter tagged me and said, Canucks have to pick up Maxime Lajoie. (laughs) And I'm not sure they're actually going to pick him up or not, but he's an interesting name. Like, he's a very talented blue liner, moves the puck well, has some two-way intelligence too. And the problem in Carolina is they have a lot of good defensemen on that team already. They signed Calvin DeHaan as well, and he's going to be there playing a certain role. They like Jalen Chatfield with how he plays. I don't know if Vancouver picks him up, but he's somebody that piqued my interest, for instance. And one point you made on the drive out here when we were talking about all this stuff, LA Kings might be forced to put an interesting name or two on the blue line. And we talked about the Winnipeg Jets and Kovacevic and some other guys that might have find themselves on waivers. So, you know, the more uncertainty there is around the Canucks blue line, Dan, do they get more and more interested about some of these names that are popping up? It could pop up on the waiver wire. So the LA Kings, um, Brant Clark is having a real standout training camp. Uh, there is some thought that he might make the team for the LA Kings, but you already think about what they've got on the right side. Drew Doughty, Sean Dursey, um, Matt Roy, and Sean Walker. Could Walker be somebody that all of a sudden is potentially available? He's making over $2.5 as a right-shot D-man, so it's uh, not an insignificant number that you would have to acquire. Does he end up on waivers, or would he be a trade asset for the Kings in the next week? That would be interesting. Um, I, I, I think the L.A. Kings ultimately are one of the teams to watch from a waiver wire perspective over the next few days, Sat, because between the potential of Walker, uh, I mentioned on yesterday's show, Gabe Velarde could be uh, somebody that gets waived. Uh, here in the next few days. Jared Anderson Dolan, who's just an absolute burner on the wing, could fit for the Canucks too. I could see that. Uh, And Leas Anderson, who we know is a former uh, top 10 overall pick. So, you know, there is... uh, There is definitely somebody in L.A., that is super interesting that is probably going to end up on the waiver wire in the next few days. There are some names. What does complicate things for Vancouver somewhat is, I mean, we don't know the status of Travis Dermott. We're not nope. quite sure the status of Phil DiGiuseppe, who's also... Okay, some, some people say that I'm saying DiGiuseppe wrong. It's DiGiuseppe, right? That's what he goes by? That's what the broadcast goes by? Yes. So Brendan Bachelor would okay. say DiGiuseppe. Okay. All right. So I should but say DiGiuseppe. Because I'm getting called out for saying his name wrong now it's because Di Giuseppe. of you. All right. Did you say Yeah. All right. <laughs> Either way, these are these, Phil. But uh, these guys, them being hurt, causes some issues. <laughs> Dowling's injured as well. I mean, at people. Least pro- did you say It's did not that hard. Oh man, I'm all messed up. Okay, now. he's probably mad that I'm calling him people now. But uh, <laughs> yeah, if his name is, is Philip, then the, the the you know sort of nickname in Italian would be people. If Filippo becomes people, people yeah. you know, people and Sagi. Always offside, people in Sagi. But <laughs> Phil DiGiuseppe uh, is is fair for you to say. I won't okay. call you out on it all right. anymore. All right, thank you. I'm glad we, uh, we solved that uh, domestic issue between us. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, as, but like, I mean, he hasn't impressed the ton, but he's, his, the status of those guys and how that's going to factor in, how you get under the salary cap and LTIR, all those things come into consideration, which could complicate any sort of acquisition you're making and all those sort of things. But... The same thing I've been harping about for about a week now remains. 
Not enough guys have impressed yep. up front. And on the back end, this team has been keeping its eyes peeled for opportunities. So why wouldn't they explore something on the waiver wire potentially? As good as Willannon's been, if we're talking about Willannon maybe being your eighth defenseman, maybe you can afford picking somebody else up and try to you know, send Willannon down and have some extra depth for your blue line potentially. So you could do that. I mean, as good as Willannon has been, it still seems unlikely somebody's yeah. going to claim him if you try to sneak him down. So that's something to consider. And then just, just overall, looking at the team, the competition for those spots, I think, has been an indication of you have more you can add, you know. And I just get the sense the more I'm get the, the less impressed I am by some of those things and guys being injured, maybe this team does have to try to pick another body up somewhere because they could use another forward for depth that can give them a little something. Yeah, you know, guys like... Uh Sheldon Dries, um, a player like uh, Phil DiGiuseppe, you know, uh, like, yes, these guys can come in and do a job for you for a few games, but, you know, there might be somebody on the waiver wire that has more upside Mm -hmm. than that, uh, especially if some of the names that we think of may end up there. You go through the list, like, you know, Shane Bowers in Colorado could be a name that ends up uh, on the waiver wire. There's going to be others out there that are, very interesting. I really do see this as an opportunity for the Canucks to add another player where, you know, they, they have an opportunity to. Uh, I mean, look, they lost two players. Ilya Mikheyev and Brock Besser come out of the lineup due to injury here in preseason, and, and they're lining up here tonight, and Bo Horvat's wingers are going to be Nils Hoaglander and Dakota Joshua. Like, that's how quickly the scoring depth dries up in Vancouver because, yeah, like the top nine looks great when fully healthy, but who do they have to come up to fill those spots when when somebody does eventually get hurt? You know, you mentioned Gabe Velarde, and, you know, I love Gabe Velarde in his draft class, so I, I would be super happy if you take a flyer in him. But, but to your point, I'd much rather see Vancouver – Take a flyer on a guy like that or somebody else who has a little bit of potential and give that guy a chance first part of the season and see where he fits in and maybe he can help you out as opposed to maybe Sheldon Dries being on this team. And, hey, listen, God loves Sheldon Dries, and he's a great professional. Gives you a little bit of depth and cover, and I think he's a good guy to have in your team in played, Abbotsford. Played well in the, in the games he played last year. For, for sure. He's, he's nice He's nice step to have. But I don't want to have to use him day, day one of the season. You <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? Like, I'd rather have something more inspiring and more potential because injuries are going to happen. I mean, how many how many games over-under? I'll throw you an over-under on the spot. Yeah. How many games do you think next season, this season, the Canucks' ideal lineup Ooh. is going to play together? And I'm going to give you over-under 11 <laughs> games. Oh, man. Uh, I, I'm going to say over just because I, I'm, I'm optimistic. We're okay. still in preseason, so I'm glass half full right. right now. But, but the, the crazy thing about this is usually if you go through stats, like yeah. ideal lineups, it's, it's somewhere around like 10, 15, maybe 20. You yeah. know what I mean? Sometimes even less. Like, because even like a couple injuries here and there that kind of overlap each other don't allow you to have your ideal lineup. The point being, you're going to need another forward that can give you a little bit of something. And we keep talking about as good as Carlson's shown, he probably needs some time. Um, Omen's nice, but also needs some time, and he's more of a you know third, fourth line type of center type that gives you a little bit of those qualities. 
but they still need more guys that are in that, say, 22 to 23 age range who could maybe pop a little bit and give you a little bit more. And we keep talking about this team finding some diamonds in the rough and being able to uncover some gems and stuff like that. And part of the way you can do that, as hard as it is, is maybe picking somebody up of waivers. And, hey, usually about 90% of waiver wire pickups don't amount to anything. But every once in a while, you find a Michael Grabner. You know yeah. what I mean? And sometimes a guy like Mike Hoffman is on the waivers, and if you know about that guy, you go and claim him. Next thing you know, that works out for you, as opposed to you know letting a guy like that slip through the cracks. The good organizations will find a way to maybe find a player out of nowhere, and you're not going to do that unless you try every once in a while. It's Dan Richo, Satyar Shah. Uh, you are listening to Canucks Central. You can always get in on the Dunbar Lumber text line, 650 650 Canucks preseason coverage on Sportsnet 650 is brought to you by Black and Lee. Suiting up has never been easier with suits and tuxedos in a modern wide range of colors, styles, and fits. Blackandlee.com. Kevin Woodley is joining us next on Canucks Central.